Welcome back to the Bad Pipes Podcast. My name is Andrew Weaver, the host of said podcast, and with me today is my co-host, my glorious cohort, my my little buddy, Scott Kelly. Scott Kelly. How are you today? Fine. How are you doing? Doing all right. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. How do you feel about me leaving behind the my other wise tree or the two wise trees introduction? <laughs> It was time. It's time to let it die. The past is dead. Let it die. Bar- Barbie, Barbie's no longer in trend. It's no longer trending. <laughs> yeah. Barbie's done. Barbie, Barbie is done. All right. So top of the news. Um, I am an admission. I am zero days clean of playing Magic: The Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing uh, Magic. I've been playing Arena, and uh, I've got a couple of comments is on it, Arena. It, it, did the new set come out? Is it because Eldrain came out? Uh, honestly, I just wanted something to do with my hands while I was like listening to podcasts and things at the computer. Fair. And Fair. Um, <clears throat> most of the things I usually play are a little more involved, so I just want something kind of mindless. Uh, but oh, yeah. it is also Eldrain, and I did like Eldrain the first time it came out, but I can't run I, my same deck, and that I, annoys me. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I remember you and I were uh, throwing down, well, that, that was during lockdown, was original Eldrain, and I think you and I were both running mono red. Oh, yeah. A little, Ember, little Embercleave jank. Uh, yeah. I used to call it Ember Brute was the name of my deck, because it was Embercleave with a... Uh, Oh, what the heck is his name? It's like Ginger Brute, I think. Little artifact creature that's a uh, basically a gingerbread yeah. cookie. Yeah, it's Ginger Brute. And you can pay like one mana to make him only blockable by creatures with by haste. creatures with haste, yeah. Yeah. And then you throw like Torbrand in there so you get like extra red damage. Yeah, or on the other side of that, you run, uh, what, it was like Cavalcade of Calamity. So like red creatures that attack, uh, I think that have power one or less. Mm-hmm. Cavalcade deals one damage to the opponent they're attacking. Yeah. So you'd, you'd run that with like Torbrand and you'd be hitting them for like 15 damage on five 1 1 creatures attacking. And if that five damage goes through, then boom, 20 damage in one turn. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, um, that, that's. Uh, it's funny you bring up magic. I, I was going to uh, add this into the news segment, but I, I thought we might as well not. Have you seen the. Um, the classic horror cards that they're uh, releasing for like, I think it's like secret layer drops. No, but I've got no interest in the, yeah, I figured alt art stuff is just like yeah. money. Down I the drain basically. I, I have been, I've been clean from magic since I moved here, since I moved to, to, to the Midwest. That's I have crazy. not, I have not played. So uh, I yeah, have a couple of comments on like getting back into it. First off the MTG yeah. arena, updating launcher crap is mm-hmm. fucking terrible yeah. it had like seven gigs of update updates for me right which is almost nothing it took mm-hmm. it about two and a half hours for it to update and re-verify the files like every fucking 15 minutes it felt like Jeez. uh terrible i don't know if that's just a me issue or yeah, I, I, I remember in the past when I was trying to update it, it also took way longer than it should have. So I think that's an issue with the launcher. Yeah. Um, on the other side of that, 
uh, getting back in after having not played for like two years. Trying to build decks is miserable because you've got like no cards. There's not like, you don't have like a set block of like commons that you can use or anything like that. So you're literally having to like build up from the ground up. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it sucks. Um, have you have you used like the fucking set promo codes and shit to get like your ten your your or your free like five packs from each set? Um, I don't think so. You should probably do that. try to dig up codes somewhere. Yeah, I you, doing you, that last time I was playing. Yeah, I, yeah, I just look them up and then because uh, it helps you. Uh, those pa those packs count towards your wild cards. They can help you just like buy the cards you need to build your yeah. decks. Yep. Because I, I built out like a whole deck because I do have a bunch of wild cards and things banked up, but um, mm -hmm. I didn't have like the ones I needed for the deck I was trying to build because I was just trying yeah. to play like a red white kind of aggro because I feel like maybe it's just arena, maybe it's magic in general, but <clears throat> the only thing that's fun for me to play is like be top decking by turn four or five or I'm not having fun. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like, you want your combo pieces out there, and you just want to be, like, ending the game at that point. Yeah. Um, and then trying to play just, like, normal, standard, best-of-one games, uh, you end up running into these guys that are running, like, full mythic decks, and you're like, how is this fair? Yeah. <laughs> Not for real. Um, yeah. Same issues as I feel like I've always encountered in on Arena, though. Sometimes we get just, like, one aggressively toxic player who'll be, like, spamming good game at, like, turn three, and so you just, like, mute them or something. But Dude, every time. Other than that, it's... It never ends. Yeah. Uh, I just try to, like... I don't know. The games I enjoy are the ones where it's, like, I'm running mono green, the other guy's running mono red, and one of us wins at, like, turn five, because then you just get into the next game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All these fucking blue players? <laughs> Cons. Yeah. All right. Other news, big news, cool news, I guess. Uh, the writer's strike ended. It did. The writer's strike is over. They've reached an agreement. Uh, I believe it involved kind of everything the writers wanted. I think they're getting, um, they're getting like, multiple raises so they, they get like a raise every year it starts at five percent i believe coming the next year that it like tears down to like three and then like two I, I can't remember um so they get they get like multiple raises over the next couple of years i think they have better terms as far as residuals uh from streaming included um another nice thing that was in there was that uh the original writer of the script has first rights to edit the script based off of mm -hmm. the notes they get back from the first time they submit it. Yeah. Uh, because what had been happening, I guess, was that they would submit a script, then whoever did the editing of it based on the notes, mm -hmm. if they edited enough of the script, they would actually get the writer credit for the script. Yeah. Basically, just a cheat around. Uh, basically, just get to plagiarize. <laughs> yeah. Which was uh, wild. Speaking of plagiarism, you also cannot... There, no AI allowed whatsoever in the creation of scripts. Yeah, I did see that. Um, so yeah, I, I did. I did see that they were going to allow. So basically, the studios can't 
require um, or request writers to use AI or even use AI themselves for the script. However, writers are allowed to, with the studio's um, approval, they're allowed to use AI uh, to assist them in script writing. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see right. how that plays out in the next couple months because yeah. uh, right now there's a big lawsuit between uh, I think ChatGPT and George R. R. Martin, a bunch of like 17 other, like a coalition of writers basically, all mm -hmm. suing ChatGPT. Oh, shit. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how the AI discussion plays out over the next six months or so. Uh, definitely. Um, yeah. So an update think... to one of our stories from last week. Uh, Johnny Somali got arrested. Ah, yes. Are you intimately familiar with the details of why he was arrested? Yeah, so he uh, had recorded, it was a previous video from what I understand, he had recorded himself trespassing on a work site, wearing a mask and like trying to scare workers who like didn't want any part of his shit. And so, Did you watch the video? I watched the video. Um, of him like trespassing on the work site? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw a clip of it. So I saw him like walking in there and then like the workers being like, go, like telling him to leave. Because yeah. he's and, going like, onto a construction site. And yeah. then whenever he get like the foreman or whoever it is that's yelling at him is like, get out, go. He's like, I'm trying to work. I'm trying to work. And yeah. And yeah. it's just him being a fucking ding dong like always. Yeah. Even in America, trespassing on a construction site is a felony. Yeah. So um, he's, I think the last time I saw was that he's looking at possibly three years in a Japanese prison. Yeah, I heard from what I, I understand, like as far as like Japanese, like like being arrested in Japan, they can effectively. Uh, now this is just something I'd heard is they can detain you without cause, uh, effectively for thirty up to thirty days. Yeah. So without charging you. They can yeah, detain you they can just detain you for up to 30 days without charging Whereas you. Or, in yeah. the U.S., uh, I think you need to be charged for like anything more than an overnight stay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's wild. Um, but no, I think yeah, fuck him. He, he deserved is it. Being served, boys. No, hundred percent. So no, I mean, hopefully they charge him, and I mean, I. Spending three years in prison, I, I think would would fit, or just d deporting his. I mean, I'd I'd, I'd honestly probably. I would rather see. Him I'd rather see him in prison. prison. Yeah, because yeah. you can't. You're not going to be able to stream. You're you're losing your career as a streamer. Like it's. Yeah. I think I think it's what you deserve. You fucked around too much, and you're definitely finding out. Yeah. So. Um, next piece of news: uh, David S. Goyer. Uh, who has written a couple of things for uh, Warner Bros. Warner Brothers, Batman Begins, and Man of Steel, and more. Mm -hmm. Yep. <clears throat> um. Yeah, basically came out in an article and talked about how the DC EU had no plan. It was higher-ups in Warner Brothers being like, we've got a plan for 20 movies for the next 10 years. Yeah. They basically were just so heavily chasing after their own Marvel Cinematic Universe using DC that they just were like... They were just spitballing and had no substance or writings to support what they wanted to do. Yeah. 
So I mean, 100% it sounds insane. like they were just trying to grab onto the coattails of Marvel and ride it up. And, uh, yeah, didn't work. Nope. Especially yeah. because it was, they didn't hop on until Marvel started coming down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was going to say, I have, I have never really had any interest in any of the DC cinematic universe no. at all. Like I, I don't know. I watched like, I've watched the Batman movies. Like the new one with Robert Pattinson was actually decent. I, I did yeah. enjoy that. But like I haven't, I don't even think I saw Man of Steel. I haven't seen any of the Justice League movies. I don't think I've seen any of them in theaters. I know that yeah. I saw the first Wonder Woman in a hotel while I was out of town one time. You know, I think um, I did watch the first Wonder Woman um, at home, just like streamed it. That was it. Yeah, watch the Snyder cut just because everyone was getting all hype about it. And two yeah. hours in, uh, Shelby and I took like a. 30 minute break because it was just Too so much. fucking boring yeah um yeah i didn't even watch that i don't know like the, everyone in that movie needed to have their own movie before they made that movie and 100%. they did not do that yeah um, they they tried to do they basically did the opposite of what marvel fucking did yeah yeah they tried to have their avengers movie and then give everyone their own movie so then they could make an avengers movie and it yeah. was just bad from the get-go. Um, so, yeah. Uh, studio accused of having no plan reveals they had no plan. <laughs> yeah, effectively. Um, little link there, though. <clears throat> there are rumors that Bob Iger, in particular, himself, has canceled the uh, Mangled and YTV Star Wars projects. Uh, not surprising whenever James Mangold had a big old debacle with the uh, production or I guess the reception of Dial of Destiny mm. and Waititi's most recent Disney movie being foo-fooed as uh, nonsense and directionless garbage. Uh the two of them losing Star Wars movies just makes sense to me, especially the way that Lucasfilm in the past has been like, oh, we've got this bright, starry-eyed young guy or a couple of guys, and we're going to make a movie with them, and then the second something doesn't work out with them, they just completely drop them. They either yeah. drop them or the entire project. Uh, you saw that with... Uh, oh, what are their actual names? I always call them Dingleberry and Ding Dong uh, from oh, uh Game of Thrones. Uh, it's, uh, Weiss and, is it Weiss? Um, it's the D, the D guys. Yeah. God, what, uh, Anyway, they were supposed to do a whole trilogy of movies, and their shit got dropped as soon as, um, the ending of uh, Game of D Thrones happened. David, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Those guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they were idiots. Um, Kind of funny though, because the James Mangold movie was supposed to take twenty five thousand years, take place twenty five thousand years before the first Star Wars movie, and it was supposed to be up about the origin of the Jedi. Now, David S. Goyer, who you might have remembered from the uh, the other story we were just talking about, being the one who, in an article, talked about the DCEU having 
um, DCCU. Yeah, I think it was just DCU, right? Whatever. Uh, the DC Cinematic Universe, um, having no plan. He wrote a script. Uh, this is coming from a Variety article from, I think, this past week. Goy revealed that he started work on a second Star Wars project, a script treatment for an Origins of the Jedi movie that takes place 25,000 years before the first Star Wars film. Uh, while Goyer ultimately parted ways with Lucasfilm, a Jedi origin movie, and this is outdated now, or possibly outdated now with these rumors of it getting canceled, but uh, a Jedi origin movie is now currently in development from Logan and Indiana Jones and Dial Destiny director James Mangold. Um, that's supposed to be taking place 25,000 years before the, the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, Goyer was originally supposed to make a movie with Guillermo del Toro for Star Wars. Mm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's rumors now that's been canceled. Uh, probably for the best. In my opinion. It doesn't seem like Mangold can work with Lucasfilm very easily. It doesn't seem like anyone can really work with Lucasfilm very easily. No. Um, yeah, and I, I guess we'll talk more about that whenever we get to Ahsoka at the end of the episode. Yeah. But you got any more news or can we get right back in a round two of the cage match? Uh, no, I'm good. That was all I got. All right. So we, uh, if we remember correctly, I don't know if we talked about this in the episode or not, but last week we said we were going to watch another three Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, these are all fairly recent ones. We've got Color Out of Space, Pig. 2019. 2022. Or no, 2021. And Release Wonderland. Also 2021. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to go in that order. Yeah. Color Out of Space is an adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft story. Um, is this your first time watching this? Yeah. Have you watched it before? Yeah, I've seen it before. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm that. a pretty, I like classic science fiction. So years ago, I did a read through of uh, a bunch of Lovecraft stuff. And <laughs> I don't think I ever read this story in particular because I got like two thirds of the way through his complete works and then probably got sidetracked or something. Um, yeah. But I will say that this is very Lovecraftian. Uh, it's atmospheric. It's suspenseful. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's your, I mean, it's pretty, uh, pretty clearly cosmic horror. It's yeah. very much like there's some shit going down that like the human mind can't really comprehend. Yeah. Um, Overall, I'd say the movie is a slow burn, mm -hmm. um, and I, I think you see this reflected in the the uh, reviews for it because I don't think it's reviewed terribly well, and oh. it's absolutely a movie that like won't satisfy a blockbuster crowd. Uh, I was gonna say it has pretty so from Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an eighty six from critics and an eighty two from audience. 
Okay, so that's better than I thought it was. Um, however, that's a verified audience. All audience is 64. Yeah, and that's pretty close to what IMDb has for it, which is 6.2 out of 10. Yeah, I was gonna say um, crit critics are a little bit closer if you switch between. So all critics are all critics is an 86, top critics is an 84. So. Yeah. And apparently Letterboxd has a 3.2 out of 5 for it, which is in yeah. line with that, like, 6.4. Yeah. 72% um, uh, of Google users like this movie, if that means anything to you. Not really. Uh, oh, dude. I might make you watch Reanimator next. We might watch the oh. two of those. All right. Yeah, because next week will be our first episode in October, right? Yeah. Yeah, we gotta watch horror movies this month. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I know. Right, I know so, we were talking. We were talking about doing Spielberg, but yeah, uh, we we switch up and do horror. Yeah. We can do save horror. Spielberg for like November. Yeah. Yeah. And then December we'll do holiday movies. Yeah. Or something just like off the wall, like <laughs> David Lynch or something. Yeah. Um, no. Back to the topic at hand, color out of space. Uh, what did you think about it? Um, so yeah, it definitely was a slow burn. I, I was watching it. And I was kind of like, okay, this is moving real slow. Like, uh, I think it didn't really hit or like, I didn't feel the pace really pick up until um, the mom. And I think it's Jack, the, the, the younger son, they get hit with the fucking energy beam from the barn and then they they fuse together and you're just like fuck yeah it's it's fucking like like after that it, shit really i think starts going off the wall yeah um because like yeah like i don't know you have the, at the beginning uh, you know it, it starts out with the introductions to everyone and then obviously the meteorite hits and then you you do notice stuff starts going but it it I think the slow burn kind of works for this because I, 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 that's one thing I definitely noticed was like Nick Cage's character, how his demeanor and his like mental state slowly was on a decline to where he was just getting like very much like he was more on edge, like angrier and just like kind of like snapping a lot quicker. Yeah. And there's that implication that he's like being possessed by like the spirit of his father kind of yeah yeah um and yeah yeah like what what else did you think about like his performance because i think out of everything that you would say like oh this was really cheesy in this movie you might just point at like nicholas cage's depiction of like his father's his character being like kind of uh possessed by his father um yeah i didn't i didn't really find it too cheesy um all too much i i don't know i kind of liked his i liked his performance i think for the most part yeah um yeah no i i, I felt like he did a pretty good job de depicting a descent into into that kind of madness like Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, 
No, I, I yeah, I didn't really have any issues with it. I feel like everyone did a pretty decent job as far as acting goes. Yeah, uh, I thought the mom was good. Uh, yeah. I feel like a lot of times people have issues with like child actors, but the kid who plays Jack was fine. Creepy. Yeah. yeah. He, he did a good job being a creepy little kid. Um, so I feel like that was kind of his job was just be like this ominous kid staring at the well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lavinia being the teenage daughter who's like obsessed yeah, with the occult kind of stuff. Makes yeah. sense. Um, Benny. The teenage son. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like nothing wrong with his portrayal. No. Uh, the guy yeah. who plays the narrator, Ward Phillips, uh, mm-hmm. Elliot Knight, is his actor's name. I thought he was very good. Um, yeah, he actually, I think, was my favorite character in all this. Yeah. Um, Which makes sense because it's technically all from his point of view. Like, he's the narrator in the beginning and the end. Um mm-hmm. And his uh, perspective on it is kind of like what puts it all into context. He, he's really the only dude going around being like, hey, you guys should like not drink the water, like really be around here. Um, yeah. I, I also, I did like Tommy Chong as Ezra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just threw him in there. Um, and he plays uh, that like out there kind of spaced out dude very well. So yeah, um, yeah. Like he's definitely the perfect for him. The kind of hermit hippie stoner guy. Yeah. Um, drinking the fucking brown water, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know what I didn't realize uh, is that um, just like Mandy, Elijah Wood is uh, Elijah Wood was a producer. producer on this. Yeah. Oh man. He's, he's just putting out some bangers, you know? I mean, it makes sense because there's a lot of lines or a lot of comparisons you can make between this and Mandy. There's a lot of, like, interesting visual things going on. Um, there's, like, a lot of homage to... Uh, I mean, the homage in Mandy is, like, metal and metal visuals and that kind of stuff, whereas the homage to this is to the, the source material, right? Like, it's very respectful to the source material, despite yeah. the more... Uh, commonplace reception or uh, views on Lovecraft nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, Lavinia has the Necronomicon. Anyone who isn't familiar with that, like, the Necronomicon comes from Lovecraftian mythos. Um, as well as, like, uh, a lot of the body horror type stuff, like you were talking about earlier, the mom and the the Jack getting like merged together into this. Uh, oh, what do you call that? Not a conglomeration. What is the word for that? Um, okay, this amalgamation of oh, like, body yeah. parts, basically. Um, as well as like the the alpacas at one point, or uh, Sam at the bottom of the well. Um, there's a lot of like, I mean, you can make uh, comparisons to the thing in that, like it's very reminiscent of the thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously like without the uh, like eighties action kind of payoff at the end, uh, this yeah. is definitely more of like a dramatic suspense kind of movie. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not even sure I would necessarily call it like straight up horror. Uh, I guess there are aspects of it that are horrible or horrorful. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think that this movie really captures the essence of like Lovecraftian horror. Um, that idea that like death or destruction aren't the worst things that can happen to a person, but like that. It's like the unknown. Um, well, it's like usurping fundamental Christian ideas, right? Like mm-hmm. rebirth in the image of an abominable God, right? Yeah. Uh, madness, uh, knowledge that cannot be contained in the human mind, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that this is a very good homage to like Lovecraft because a lot of the time the Lovecraftian stories, they're not like action set piece movies, you know, they're stories of, like you said before, a descent into madness. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you read like the, the first Cthulhu story, um, just on like witnessing this elder being half of the, the ship's crew goes insane um half of them like die instantly and like the the one guy that gets out alive is like forever scarred by the knowledge of of the experience yeah um which is kind of what happens in this like ward mm-hmm. is forever scarred by this experience and yeah, I was gonna has say, destroyed they, everyone else's they lives. they have that they have that scene where he looks into uh Lavinia's eyes and he like you can he he basically I, I don't know, like, projects into this, like, l- like hellscape or, like, alien landscape yeah, like that he extra sees. Extra-dimensional kind of space, really. Yeah, and and then, like, kind of is blasted back f- from it. And I, I definitely got that, the Lovecraftian feel of, like, this is something that's, like, the human mind can't really comprehend, like, what you're seeing. Yeah. And then, like the whole story just being framed around like this wasn't even necessary necessarily a a a being with like malice or uh malefic intent right Mm -hmm. um but this was just a color out of space and it was a piece of knowledge that man was never meant to have and it Mm -hmm. uh fundamentally destroys and reshapes the reality around it right yeah um yeah what do you think did you enjoy this one yeah i liked it um it it wasn't like crazy good it was like the best movie i've seen um i'd probably give it a seven yeah like it's solid it's solid to see like a seven and a half probably just because i appreciate um i appreciate a movie that isn't dismissive of its source material yeah but it feels like it really tries to pay homage to its source material nice yeah like something you could kind of bring up in comparison to this was that what was it lovecraft country i don't know if you ever tried to watch that i think it's on hbo Mm-hmm. or whatever HBO is now. Um, but it feels like the whole show... The whole show is like a black cast and they're bringing in all this like Lovecraftian stuff. And 
they also make a lot of commentaries on like HP Lovecraft uh, mm -hmm. because the dude was notoriously racist. Um, yeah. Just putting it out there. Um, sometimes it came into his writing. It didn't always come into his writing. Mm -hmm. um, but the guy was also born in like 1890 something, if I remember right. Like, not to dismiss it, but yeah. Hey, the up? guy was born in a rural place and he moved to a city and had like stomach cancer and took drugs for most of his life. Like he had a terrible life and for him to have terrible opinions kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, he um, was, he was very much a product of his time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that said, Elliot Knight. Uh, I hesitate to say African-American because I have a feeling like he might be British, but a uh, black guy as maybe not the main character. I think you could probably argue the family are more of like an ensemble of the main character, but Elliot Knight, I think, was one of the standout performances in this movie, and I'd be interested yeah. to see other things he's in. Yeah, no, he, he was my favorite character in the movie. Um, looking here, he... That's only his second ever movie. Surprising. He was in Billionaire Ransom, which was apparently a terrible movie from 2016. So three three years prior to this, he was in a movie that got a 20 from critics and a 27 from the audience. Um, he is going to be in an upcoming movie called Your Lucky Day, which is a horror slash mystery and thriller movie. Interesting. Currently has a 100% from critics, although I guess it, it seems like it's early because there's no audience score. I don't even know. I don't see a date when this is dropping. But so far, six critic reviews give it 100%. Wow. So hope they didn't buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on. Pig. Pig. Is this your first time watching Pig? It is. Is it your it first also time? My first time watching Pig. Okay. Did you cry? No. I cried a couple times. I so I definitely I'm a soft old man. <laughs> I I definitely I definitely had a couple moments where I like I started tearing up. Yeah. Um. No, it, it's a very a very emotional movie. Maybe that's a more appropriate way of saying it. Yeah, I definitely teared up a couple times. Yeah. Um, I wasn't like, oh. sobbing or anything, but yeah, definitely I'm a big an emotional tough guy, movie. guys. <laughs> yeah no, there, there's there's some movies that'll get me um, just anything with animals man I, I was gonna say have you have you seen um the art of racing in the rain no that fucking movie gets me i i sobbed but also because like it's a movie about a golden retriever who is just trying to live his best life because he's he loves watching tv and he saw a documentary that said the mongolians believed dog, like if you lived your life as a good dog you got reincarnated as a human and he wanted to be a human because he loves his human so much. Fucking God, that movie gets me. Man. That's a rough movie. Yeah. And it was have, great. You Fantastic have a retriever. Movie. So I, I, yeah, like I have there a are certain retriever. movies that I just can't go back and watch because I know they'll fucking destroy me. Like uh, yeah. my dog Skip. Yeah. Uh, if I watch that, I'd probably be like ruined by it because I've only ever had Jack Russell's. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. No, uh, in the first act, right? Because this is a, a three-act yep. movie. 
Um, you do have a question for a moment. Like, is this John Wick if John Wick was about a chef? It's funny. I literally sat here and I, I like, so like the first, you're in the first act and like dude's living with the pig. He loves his pig. Yeah. And you see his pig get stolen. I go, oh shit. Is this about to be a John Wick movie where instead of like also, these people coming to kill his dog and him getting revenge, he goes to find his pig. There is something more horrific about the screams of this pig uh, being abducted yes. than like any abduction scene I've ever seen in any other movie. Yeah, it, that was it was pretty heartbreaking. Like, I, I was I'm like, damn, that like that would I, if I was if I was. Our, our boy uh, uh, Rob, Mister Mister Rob Robin uh, Feld. Robin Feld. Hearing the screams of that pig I love so dear, I would one hundred percent go John Wick on those tweakers, and anyone else who was involved. But um, that's not the story we get here. Yeah, just a final little comment in that vein was this movie made me tell my dog that I loved her. And uh, and then she turned around and sniffed her own butt, and I <laughs> <laughs> I was so upset that she didn't take me seriously. On <laughs> that, um, yeah, I think I would describe this movie as a compelling character drama about mm-hmm. a man and his pig I think was how I was initially describing it or describing it to myself in the first act Um, but it becomes like a poignant commentary on like grief and suffering yeah Um, it's yeah no it's that's definitely what I got because I I will say like like this movie hurt to watch yeah it it was very gripping. Like it definitely kept me engaged um, with like some of the weird scenes. Like he's just kind of going on this hunt, and then yeah, you get you get to, to you know towards the end, and you get more into those themes of grief and like how these different, just these these people from all kinds of different walks of life are are dealing with loss, yeah, and trying to get by. I think it used to be a more common sentiment, but most recently you know i've i've seen um old videos of tolkien in per in particular saying that all art is about death mm-hmm. um and this movie is absolutely uh <laughs> to use a pig metaphor wallowing in in those uh-huh. themes and ideas um, yeah no for sure Cause you have your main character Rob and it's revealed at some point that, uh, he basically gave up this high profile life as a chef in Portland, I think, uh, so that he could go out and live in the woods, a simple life away from the frivolities of the world because his wife has died. Mm -hmm. Um, and that idea of grief robbing you of your passion is very strong that is absolutely something that happens when you're going through something heavy mm-hmm. um some people lean into their passions some people it becomes 
like ash, you know. Um, I've definitely been on both sides of that. Yeah. Um, it's a very strong movie, I would say. Yeah. It's, uh... God, yeah. I mean... Did you have, like, a scene that you felt... Like, which scene do you think you're going to be thinking about from this movie as, like, one of the more meaningful scenes that you carry with you for the rest of your life? I I want to say when he goes to... Is it Eurydice? Where he goes to find the chef who cooked for him or, like, wor- basically worked for him for, what do you say, two weeks, two months... Uh, two months, um, yeah. Two months, and he he's sitting there and he's talking to the chef, and the chef, who's like built this high end restaurant, and he just like you can see in the chef's eyes. I, I feel like he he gets it. Like uh, Robin is just telling him, like when you worked for me, like you had these you had this dream, like you wanted to do this thing. And he's like and the backdrop of all that is that this restaurant is like a, a high concept, very pretentious sort of thing that you yeah, see. Yeah, it's your your small small portion, yeah, like, like beautiful is, plating sort like, of. What was the dish they had? It was like a fucking egg, or no? It was like a deconstructed oyster with like uh, de- fur smoke or something. Yeah, it was like a that. deconstructed scallop. Yeah, I believe it was, um, and it's basically like I think they're sitting there, and I, I think it's only one plate between the two of them, and you just see Robin like pick it up and just like eat this small morsel yeah, of a thing, he's, like mashing his thumb into the other yeah. half of it. Yeah, um, um, but I think I think that really sat with me because it was kind of like he really kind of woke this guy up to be like, you had this dream, you had these ambitions, and you yeah. sold out. To do this thing, he's like, well, it doesn't fucking matter. The way he's they like, frame this scene, right, is that mm-hmm. uh, whenever he recognizes him, he sits down with him, uh, brings up this bottle of some, you know, pretentious wine or something, mm-hmm. uh, and they have that conversation. Like he said, uh, "I fired you after two months because you always overcooked the pasta, right?" Yeah. But then it goes on from that, from him looking at like this, just. Uh, top-down chef that's like oh uh that like concept of chefs where it's like they're high strung anal people mm-hmm. uh but then they they polish it out right because it becomes a conversation about whenever i fired you i had a conversation with you where i asked you what your dream was and it was to open a pub why didn't you do that like if that's your dream that's your passion that's the thing you want to f- like center your life around right and all of that is coming from a position of grief and him looking back in retrospect on his wife who you you get through all of these little dialogues and scenes throughout the movie not just in this scene but you get him struggling through that grief still because uh clearly he was passionate about like cooking and things but at the end of the day his his one true love was his wife yeah um, that he built this life with and around. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, this Lori. Yeah. Lorelei. Yeah. Um, I think I think it was that scene, and then the other one. I think this the right at the end. 
uh, where I, and I, I, I think I caught on pretty quick to what his plan was here with uh, Amir's father, um, where he, uh, you could tell Robin kind of remembered the meal that he served uh, Amir's parents in that story he he told. Um, and then he moly. just on the cast page for this, the pig has a name. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I think I looked it up because I was trying to the look at what kind of pig it was. By Brandy the pig. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Brandy the pig. Uh, damn, I don't, I don't think it shows up on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. There's no image, but um, I'm just on like Google. Yeah, I, I believe I remember. Click, whenever you that. click on the the cast page, is a variety article about uh, she's a diva. How Nicolas Cage's pig co-star Brandy went from a went from farmyards to feature films <laughs> <laughs> with nice. her thick auburn hair, striking eyes, and sleek physique. It's no surprise Nicolas Cage's latest co-star Brandy landed her first ever acting role without so much as an audition. Yeah. The pig didn't even have to audition. I love that. That's funny. No. Um, yeah. Back to the business at hand though. Um I don't know, I think I'd give this movie like an eight. Um Yeah. Um No, I'd give it an eight. Uh like it's pretty good, but I just think it, it could have been Paced a little better. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It definitely is another slow burn of a movie. Yeah. Um, just obviously, like I feel like with Color Out of Space, it was a slow burn into like a climactic end, yeah, where like a lot was up. going on. Yeah. Versus like this was a slow burn all the way through to like a pretty satisfying ending, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean heartbreaking, but yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely leaves you with like this feel, this like longing feeling. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, but yeah, I'd say like an eight, maybe like eight point two five, eight and a quarter. I'm just gonna give an eight. Yeah, fair. Which uh, will now bring us to Willy's, Willy's Wonderland. Wonderland. <laughs> So this is um, a movie that's basically based off of Fr Five Nights, Five at, Nights Freddy's. at Freddy's. It, it is 100%. I'm, I'm pretty sure they just said, hey, we're just going to rip off this game franchise. They're probably like, hey, can we make a movie based off of this? Can you give us like the rights to make a Five Nights at Freddy's movie? And then they Which, went, no. So I, <laughs> I don't know if you are, if you're aware, but there is a Five Nights at Freddy's movie coming out. Yeah, it's got the kid from the Hunger Games. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it's already out or if it's getting ready to come out. Oh yeah, it releases it releases right before Halloween. It releases October twenty seventh. So if you'd like to do that one during our our horror movie October. I guess if I have money to go see a movie in theaters. Oh, is it is it coming out in theaters? I thought <laughs> it was just out releasing. Theaters? I thought it was just releasing on uh somewhere. I have no idea. Oh yeah, it's Bloom House. 
Oh yeah, Josh Hut Josh Hutcherson. The dude from Hunger Games. So IMDB, I think, is saying it will arrive in theaters and on Peacock in October 2023. So you know, we'll just watch it on Peacock. Yeah. Uh, Matthew uh, Matthew Lillard's in it. Oh, nice. Sweet. Yeah, I guess yeah. we can compare that to this movie then. <laughs> yeah, because uh, this one, and I just want to say, I, I know how we talked about in Mandy... Nick Cage notoriously has very few lines, even having a scene with the chemist where he doesn't speak a single word and the chemist just answers for himself. That is this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not a single line of spoken dialogue from Nicolas Cage's movie yes. uh, character. I movie. I love that. I love that they just had him. <laughs> he just didn't speak a single time. And then you, you I'm sitting here questioning because I'm just like, He's just doing his thing. He's just He's just trying to get by. Obviously, like we you know, he he blows a tire. He has the whole blows all four tires because he blows runs all four over, tires. Like uh a, a spike trap. A spike trap, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is obviously we find out later is a, an actual trap laid by the citizens of this small town. Uh, in order to sacrifice people to the animatronics. Yeah, if if you want the entire breakdown of this movie in one sentence, it's a movie about Nicholas Clay Nicholas Cage cleaning a restaurant and killing satanic animatronics and some teenagers show up. Yeah. That yeah. That's... Or maybe young twenty year olds. Yeah. Some something around there. Um Yeah, I've just like we get no dialogue from him. And sometimes you're questioning, like, what is this? What is he up to? Because he's just got this watch that beeps every so often. And he literally just, like, well, takes a break. Take breaks often. Oh, that's fair. Okay, so that's <laughs> what it was. That makes more sense. I thought I thought there was, like, I, I'm sitting there and he's doing that. And he always drinks one of those fucking, like, energy drinks or sodas or whatever they are. I think it was just grape soda. I, yeah, because I was trying to figure out. I'm just, like... He, He's on these things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to avoid that diabetic coma or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or trying to induce one. I don't know. I don't know how diabetes works. Neither do I. Don't at me. Um, yeah. Yeah. He... Looking through the cast here, I don't see anyone else I recognize in this movie. No, it's literally Nick, it's Nick like Cage. A... Nick Cage and a whole bunch of low-budget actors. I'm pretty sure they probably got a discount because Nick Cage didn't have to deliver a single line. I mean, the budget for this movie was $5 million. Damn. Guess what the box office for it was? What? <laughs> well, it came out February 12, 2021, so... Still kind of like... $457,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, I mean going through the the google page for it uh imdb 5.5 out of 10 61 percent uh on rotten tomatoes 2.6 out of 5 on letterboxd 81 percent of google users like this movie <laughs> i love that <laughs> no it's uh it's also really funny to me because like so it's very apparent nick cage's character in this is just a no-nonsense like, he's just here to get his car fixed and get the fuck out. 
Yeah. He was just passing through. But it's so funny to me because he comes in here and he just starts cleaning. The animatronics start coming alive and attacking him and he doesn't bat a fucking eye. He just starts beating the shit out of these animatronics. Yeah, ripping the fucking throat out of the first one and Yeah. He's just like the gorilla, which I I went I I started laughing because I was like, of all the things to curb stomp, why the gorilla? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just like he is acting like this is just another day. Like he he's used to it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just I thought it was funny. His character name on the cast thing here is just the janitor. Yeah, that's he's just the janitor. Uh. Whenever Shelby and I were watching it, I was like, if they don't at the end of the movie tell you that his backstory is just like being a, a professional janitor or something like that, I'm going to be like so mad. And they don't. They don't give you any backstory for the dude. He just shows up and like video game protagonist doesn't say a single word, just starts fucking killing animatronics when they come alive. And then he fucking drives away at the end. <laughs> drives away with the with the main girl. Yeah. Um, not even necessarily like like zero relation to her either like not like a father daughter kind of thing going on not like a no he uh, dude he, he was actually thing going on he was actually not very helpful to her and her friends <laughs> the the one the one where they're fighting the toad and he his watch goes off and he's like yep got time for a break he just hands her the fucking like knife the knife he goes, took from her he yeah. gives back to her he gives back to her he goes and plays pinball and drinks his soda while she has to fight this fucking toad and I'm just like and then his breaks over so he comes back and kills yeah. him <laughs> no and he just he kind of just lets all these other kids die I'm like, my other thing is like, okay, you get attacked by one or two of these animatronics. Are you not like before the other ones start moving? Are you not just going to start taking them out? I would have well, just been ripping their throats out before they even move a muscle. Well, here's the thing. Like, what if you start doing that and then it, uh, it aggros all of them, you know, we're That's playing by video game rules. Maybe you, you only aggro one at a time. And so you take them out one at a time. But yeah. if you if you do the pro gamer strat and just try to kill them while they're all uh, in uh, not suspense, what's the word? Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, what if that just activates all of them and they all go aggro? That's yeah, that's a fair assessment. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this movie just it's a it's an absurd romp. That's all it is. Yeah. Just lowbrow, dumb fun. Um... I don't know. That's pretty much all my thoughts on it. There's really not much to say because it's not much of a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It's... It, it was still like... I still got entertainment out of it. I still sat here and I went, this is kind of funny in a ridiculous way yeah this is like a oh this is absurd and i'll laugh at it for this like first time i watch it but i i'm probably never gonna watch this it, again you, no no definitely not it was almost like they tried to make a satire on five nights at freddy's they were yeah. like how can we make the most ridiculous because it, it's it's very similar i mean the only thing you know about the, the character you're playing in five nights at freddy's is your security guard so they like they went another step they were just like okay we can't have it be a security guard that's too close to five nights at freddy's he's a janitor 
yeah and they also don't have him like watching security cameras to see yeah. like them approaching certain rooms or anything like yeah. that now i don't know if you're aware but the video game five nights at freddy's and all the sequels and everything that they have um this does follow the lore behind that i have heard about some of the lore there's there's so i think there's a little bit more of a lore where like uh the whole like five nights at, actual five nights at freddy's is like the dude who is like freddy fazbear or whatever was actually like a child predator and was was doing the same like basically like preying on these children and killing them on top of it um so yeah, they're, they're, I think I think Five Nights at Freddy's is a little bit more sinister as far as the story goes because there's like it gets pretty deep. Obviously, they made video game after video game. They try to continue to expand on the story. Yeah, I mean they're making a fucking movie now, so yeah. Hopefully, the movie's decent, better than this. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I think I would give this a five out of ten. It's like on my lowest rung of recommended. Like watch it one time, if uh. Again, yeah. if a movie about Nicolas Cage cleaning a restaurant and killing satanic animatronics appeals to you, watch it yeah. in that case. Don't, if that doesn't sound good to you, because you will not enjoy it. Yeah. No, I, I will also give it a five out of 10 because it's, it is very much just like right in the middle. Like it's not one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's definitely not one of the best. It is a movie you can watch once and be like, that was. I got entertainment. It was a f stupid fucking movie that was kind of funny in ways. Yeah. That was it. I so, feel yeah. like on my one to 10 scale, like five is my, my lowest for recommended, right? Yeah. No, uh, I anything agree. lower than a five is, is a not recommended. Just don't watch it. Uh, like future world. <laughs> yeah. Future, future world was fucking terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that's it for the cage match. That is Nicholas Cage. Us is or done. Nicholas Cage. We did six rounds in the cage with Nicholas Cage. Dude, uh Nicholas I think Nicholas Cage won. How can he not? Dude <laughs> dude is putting out banger after banger of movies. I've come out of this feeling like Nicholas Cage is one of us. He's a guy that goes, Haha, this is stupid, I'll do it. But then yeah. he'll also do like a really artistic film as well. Yeah, it it makes me. I I want to watch more Nicolas Cage movies in my free time. Yeah, I think I, that is one of the arguments uh, people would probably levy against our our little criticisms of Nicolas Cage movies. Here is that we didn't go back and watch like uh, classic Nick Cage films. Oh, uh, like Con we Air, Face much, Off, or yeah, like the farthest back we went, I think, was like Mandy. I think with uh, Wicker Man. With the exception of Wicker Man from yeah 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 what, yeah we, we watched we watched a lot of his newer stuff yeah so uh, uh, but no maybe maybe we'll you know maybe sometime down the road once we've done some other stuff maybe we'll revive the cage match do some a little, little bit more do some of his classic stuff yeah maybe if we have like a guaranteed guest we'll force them to watch we'll pick out like we'll go on IMDb or. Rotten Tomatoes or something. We'll find like the three lowest rated Nicolas Cage movies and we will force our guests to watch them as well. <laughs> by by critic or audience score? Uh yeah, just whichever one we think is funnier when we pick them out. Fair. He's got one from 93 which has a 0% from critics and a 25% from audience called Deadfall. It did it did 9.2k in the box office. Oh my 
I don't even know. Did it even have a budget? What was its budget? I don't, uh, I don't even see. Here? Yeah, I have no fucking idea. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Um, I will say just final little point about Willy Willy's Wonderland. Mm -hmm. Um, the girl who plays the the hot girl. Okay, the the the, I guess floozy for a better word. Yeah, the one with the short skirt that goes up the ladder, and they're like, "Hey, be respectful." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what about her? She's hot. Oh, fair. <laughs> fair. I don't even know who um, she is. Appropriately enough for uh, an absurd horror movie, they do have um, eye candy. Uh, her name is That's... Kaylee Cowan. Oh, yep. Here she is. Has she even been in anything else? Has she been in a couple other things? Sunrise in Heaven, Frank and Penelope, Bad Detectives, Incision, Spinning Gold. <laughs> she was in a movie this year called Divinity, which looks kind of weird. Interesting. Bella Thorne was in it. Oh, shit. It's a science fiction thriller film written and directed by Eddie Alcazar and starring Scott Bakula... Uh, Stephen Dorff, Bella Thorne. It, it has not released yet. It's releasing uh, October 13th in the United States. It, it did premiere at Sundance in January, but yes, October 13th is the official release date. Yeah, the art for it looks kind of um, like Hellraiser-y or uh, I don't know. It's like black and white old school VHS kind of cover looking. Mm. Uh, do, do we have any reviews for it already? Uh, it's got a 62 from 13 critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's got a 5.9 on IMDb. Yeah, so... Huh. Which tells me it's hit or miss. Uh, yeah, it looks like, looks like it. You'll like it or you won't like it. Huh. Now that I know you kind of like... Um, Lovecraftian movies, I kind of want to just like make a list of other movies that I know are in that vein. Mm -hmm. um, force you to watch some of those yeah alright on to uh, Ahsoka good old uh, Super Ahsoka Super Ahsoka Soup episode Ahsoka. 7 um, how did you seven. feel about it I didn't like it. Oh no. As always. We're haters. We are haters. We're the haters, dude. Uh, okay. I really so, disliked this episode. Yeah. Um Yeah, I was not into it at all. It was cheesy. It Okay, I, I one thing that really irked me, I, I wanna point this out. I hate when she holds her lightsabers backwards. That is not an efficient fighting style. Dude, I don't know why everything has to put the the like undergrip lightsaber thing in now. Or yeah. Reverse grip or whatever people call it. Like it it's the stupid only and inefficient. time you ever used a grip like that with a weapon was with a 
like a dagger. There were like fighting treatises on like dagger fighting. And yeah. it wasn't like every fighting style with daggers used that. It was actually a very rare kind of thing. And it typically only came into play with Rommel daggers, which are those daggers that have the big round uh, cross guard. And usually they'll also have a big round pommel because you use them typically while you were in full plate armor and it, you'd have it in that reverse crit because it was for stabbing into the tight places in plate. And so your idea was like, get in between the joints and like jam the fucker in there with both hands, right? Yeah. So you'd have like one hand on the handle and you'd use your other hand to like slam the pommel of the thing. Yeah. To apply um, like excess pressure. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's stupid. Um, if if you ever want to make a like Star Wars movie with me or like a parody, I want our first lightsaber scene. First of all, we're gonna uh, first off we're gonna have if some we do lightsaber battles. We're definitely going to change the fighting style, all right? It's not going to be based off of, like, samurai slashing styles. Oh, yeah. It's going to be based off of fencing, no. all right? But I want I want the first scene with the lightsaber in our movie to be some... An annoying-ass character trying to use their lightsabers backwards like that, and they just immediately get their hand fucking chopped off. Yeah, it'll be like uh, a Jedi apprentice who's got like an annoyingly high-pitched voice and they'll be fighting a uh like the equivalent of like a sith knight you know so like a, a jedi mm -hmm. knight you know someone who's been trained for a good long while yeah but isn't like a master or an apprentice but just like your, your uh, guy just your qui-gon in, yeah. in the first in phantom menace right yeah um He's called Master Qui-Gon, but he's a Jedi Knight. He yeah. doesn't sit on the council. Nope. Um, so yeah, just like your rank and file Sith guy just being like, poke and they die. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I, I would love like if we if we were to make a movie, just make a movie, a Star Wars movie, where effectively like we just. Uh, poke fun at all the stupid shit that gets added into like the actual star wars movies yeah well the fucking shows nowadays you know god yeah. only knows if we'll ever see another star wars movie fair yeah true yeah right, no so that getting too into the details on this episode uh i've seen that like a popular criticism of this show revolves around how like most of the better moments of it are these like empty member berries as they get called. So like an example, last episode, Anakin showing up mm -hmm. and like the training and stuff that basically boiled down to like live or die, you know, and it's like, well, fucking live, obviously, like anyone would make that choice. Yeah. Um, and it's not like we'd seen Ahsoka being depicted as like being in depression or thinking that she shouldn't like fight for the right thing. Like that's how she's always been depicted. Mm -hmm. Um, her leaving the Jedi Order was like her doing what she thought was right, you know? Yeah. Uh, but also, like, this episode, we get another scene with Anakin where it's like a, a hollow recording. Yeah. Uh, fucking C-3PO shows up to Deus Ex Machina save um, Hera from a court-martial. Um, the entire premise of the show is bringing back Thrawn, who's, like, a member berry for people who 
uh, read the books in the 90s and really liked it, um, who might have watched Rebels and liked his character in Rebels. Uh, the whole show is just trying to use nostalgia as its like driving factor for success. Yeah. Um, to get into that, like th what Thrawn does in this episode is totally underwhelming. Um, mm -hmm. Like the show should have been four one hour episodes and they should have thrown like shown Thrawn as like a true threat, not like uh, this sad old man without any r real victories in the show. Like, yeah. I don't know. If you really want to fucking go there, just like kill Azeroth. They're not really doing anything with this character anyway. Yeah, that was another thing that bothered me was Ezra just being like, oh no, I, I just need the force. And then like doing this wonky looking double handed force push on every opponent. You didn't like the force kung fu? No, I thought it was stupid. I thought so they could have done it in a cool way, but the way they showed it here was not a cool way. Yeah. No, they definitely could have done it in a cool way. But it felt like he was trying, like, he was putting so much effort into it to get, like, the tiniest push on you uh, know what? one of those night troopers. A very good comparison for this would mm -hmm. be the uh, Tartakovsky Clone Wars, the 2D animated ones. The episode with Mace Windu, where he basically single-handedly takes on an entire droid army, and at one point loses his lightsaber and starts, like, force kung fu punching holes in droids and things, mm -hmm. was so much cooler than this yeah. depiction. Yeah, and that would have been like great. That would have been really cool if they did that here. the sides of the caravans and stuff, you know? Yeah. But um, they're, they're sticking with lame and uninspired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this just felt like a boring episode. It relied on like references and moments that like aren't in this show. Yeah. You know. No, I'm like we're like we're sitting here trying to talk about it. And I'm like I feel like I have nothing to even talk about because it felt it felt sh like they didn't uh, they didn't achieve anything. It felt like complete filler. Like they just sat here and. Like, this I'm, wasn't I'm a like, victory for either side. There the, was no substance. The heroes reconnecting is like, it just falls really flat. Yeah. Um, like, the things that should introduce conflict into the relationships, they just ignore, right? Like, <laughs> I think Ezra asked a couple times, like, oh, like, how'd you get here? How am I getting home? Like, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the avoidance of like oh yeah i accidentally showed some bad guys a map to here and then they made a giant hyperspace ring that brought them here and uh i left ahsoka for dead on the planet but she just showed up and saved us so that's cool too yeah um <laughs> like like, there is no development of the relationships in this show. Nah. And it's an eight-episode show. I just don't get what... Yeah. No. Again, take out all the filler and just make a movie. It could have just been a movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they also need to like set their villains up better, right? Yeah. Like, no one fucking cares about Thrawn at this point. Nah. He's got one haggard Star Destroyer that if he took into battle with the New Republic fleet, which we've seen depicted as like capable and fast, it got to Sinos very quickly after uh, Ahsoka got there. <laughs> the second he pops up, it'll be like, oh yeah, Republic response fleet, blam, 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 they're dead. Bye. Yeah. And then they forecast stuff so, so terribly, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. but how is Thrawn gonna get back to the fucking real galaxy? Oh, I wonder if he's gonna put his big Star Destroyer in that big hyperspace ring. No, they'd never do that. He'll probably just ride whales back to the real galaxy. Is that what they expect me to think? Or am I supposed to think that I'm like some smart viewer for it going... Oh yeah, they're gonna park his fucking star destroyer in the in the ring and then blast off back to the real galaxy. Yeah. And then they're gonna be like, oh, in our precious cargo. Oh, what do you think the precious cargo is? I wonder if it's stuff so that the Night Sisters can make undead stormtroopers. Hmm. Yeah. I just so, feel like I'm beating my head against the wall trying to like yeah. find good things about this show to be excited about. It's it's so trash and the problem is so many of the normies are eating it up. That's what I don't get. Like I legitimately do not understand how you can watch this and not just be like bored out of your mind. Because C-3PO Ugh Ahsoka Like even the exciting parts right when there's fights and stuff the fight choreography is so slow and monotonous thing Mm -hmm. like nothing new or exciting happens it's like oh he got shot off the horse yeah like a rock and he fell off the horse when i was watching ahsoka and balan fight i was like this is again another lightsaber duel that it's just like there's no excitement like like I know we, we've talked about it before. Uh, why can we not get some sort of duel like, like I don't know, Obi Wan Invader in in A New Hope felt so much more exciting than any of the, the the lightsaber duels we've been given in Ahsoka or any of these TV shows. I'm like, yeah. or or you know, d- the duel fates. Well, I even went back and I rewatched the scenes of Anakin and Ahsoka, like the training mm-hmm. fights they were doing. And I was like, it really looks like Hayden Christensen is having to like slow himself down for this choreography. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just an issue where, uh, who is it that plays Ahsoka? Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, why can I not remember her name? Uh, Rosario, uh, Rosario, Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Yeah. I don't know if they just didn't give her enough, like, choreography time or if they were like shooting this on a really tight time frame or something like that but she absolutely needed more time to like get comfortable swinging these things around and like fighting you know yeah um i don't know i also wish that they would stop (sighs) like in older action movies if a woman was gonna fight a man 
she had to have like some sort of advantage for her to like leave her against the dude. Like she either fights smarter or she's faster or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like none of that happens in this. It's just like, oh, I don't know. You look at a dude as big as Ray Stevenson, and when he like swings down on Rosaria Dawson, she like blocks it. You're kind of like, I just don't believe it. Like, look how huge he looks. He's a freaking mountain of a man compared to her. Yeah. And I wish they would just, like, make their fights smarter or something. The same thing with the, the troops that show up on the the transports. Why are they parking and all getting out? Why don't they fire from the side of the ship? Like we saw the clones doing in, like, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you don't have, like, big fucking... Uh, Vietnam miniguns out the side of the helicopter like surely three dudes can like take a knee and blam 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 out the side of the freaking ship yeah and if your ship's flying like what's the chance they I don't know like it's just dumb yeah trash um as we wrap this up I did want to say I don't know if you've seen this. So someone was mentioning they're not sure if uh, if they're gonna put an end to Balin, you know, Balin's character since you know, obviously, you know, rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. Um, someone had mentioned if they don't, um, like recasting him. Uh, and they did put the Ray Stevenson side by side with this actor, and they do quite favor each other. Where I could potentially see it. Uh, but people were saying Gerard Butler. Uh, maybe. Especially like you know, with Gerard Butler's definitely graying now. Um, he's he's a little bit older. They they do their face do, their faces favor each other quite a bit. So I don't know. I I, I don't I I just feel like that's not something that they usually would do i feel like more so uh, balen will if they are going to continue on ahsoka balen will meet his so end or something is, will happen and uh, they'll have shin take over yeah as like the main villain there was um ray stevenson was filming a movie in italy whenever he died and he was recast in that movie by Dominic Purcell. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, doesn't really look like him, but, like, I don't know. I think if they just got, like, a big dude who was a good actor, it would mm-hmm. still be good. So, like, I'm, I wouldn't be opposed to Gerard Butler. Um, but how tall is... Yeah, Ray Stevenson was 6'3". Let's look at Gerard here. He's 6'2". Yeah, that'd probably work. Yeah. Who who did you say they got to uh, replace Ray Stevenson in this other movie? Dominic Purcell. It's D-O-M-I-N-I-C. Um, he's a dude you would recognize. Uh, he's he's an Australian guy. Oh, um, he's uh yeah from Prison Break and like all those other movies. Yeah, yeah. He was also in Blade Trinity. He played like the first vampire or something. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember oh, what yeah. else no, he was. I know, I know he's from Blade Prison Trinity. Break. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Hmm. You know, just like a big dude who can hold a scene. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so far, Ahsoka. I mean, yeah, Ahsoka's just trash. I don't like it. The highlight, the only highlight of Ahsoka. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> I told uh, Nolan, I think, that you call her General Cake, and uh, he laughed at that. <laughs> Dude, I mean, when you when you see it, it's like, damn. Oof. Actually, some other show I was watching, like some reviewers or whatever, the girls on the the panel were like, "Yeah, her pants are working for her." <laughs> yeah. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, and after after you revealed that she's with uh with my boy, Ewan McGregor, I'm just like, yeah, makes sense. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, all you, you good this boys far. and girls out there, thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. Uh, uh, support us. You can do that at Patreon slash or Patreon.com forward slash Bad Pipes Podcast. Uh, we got a couple of tiers on there, and we're generally working out uh, what should be on each tier. So feel yeah. free to yell at us. Throw um, us a follow on the X, formerly known as Twitter app at Bad Pipes Pod. Uh, next week. At the very least, we'll be watching the reanimator. We'll probably figure out maybe one or two other like cheesy horror movies to watch. Yeah. Uh, as always, our music was by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Give him a check out or look look at. <laughs> check him out. Do Give it. Give him a check out or look at look at him. <laughs> look at the sounds he makes. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Good night. I love you.